The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. If it's the weekend, it's time to have fun with your pet. But when it comes to technology, apps, and what's hot, you don't want to waste money or waste your or your pet's time. Welcome to Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. In today's show, Lorian and her guests will keep you in the know to keep your pet happy as well as you and your family. Now here's your host, Lorian Clemens. Happy Saturday, pet lovers. Did you know that April is National Pet First Aid Awareness Month? Well, now you know. And today I've invited some wonderful guests on the show to chat about pet first aid and make sure that you have information about tools and resources for helping your pet when they need immediate medical care. And to get us started today, I am so thrilled to have Denise Fleck with us today. Denise is the Pet Safety Crusader, and she has taught more than 12,000 humans animal life-saving skills. Denise, welcome to Pet Lover Geek. It is Bow Wow. Wonderful to be here. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and you and I have known each other for quite a long time. And I've just, I just really love the stuff that you do through Sunny Dog Inc., which is your company. Uh, but I'm really excited that you get to share some of this stuff with us today. Because I know a lot of the times what you do is in uh, first person, you know, right there with people, training them how to do it. But there's a lot of stuff that people can learn uh, just online and stuff like that. So let's let's dig in here. What is pet first aid? And and, and if you've got a veterinarian that you trust and you go to all the time, why do you need to worry about pet first aid? Good questions. Um, pet first aid is the first thing we do when our dog or cat is ill or injured. It's the first line of medical treatment, but maybe nowhere near the end. Like when we were kids and we fell off a swing and skinned our knee, mom may have washed it off, put a bandage and a kiss on it, and let us go about our business as long as we didn't pick at the scab or it didn't become infected. So her first aid was that wound cleaning and the observing that it healed. But when we got a little rowdier and fell off a bike or a skateboard and came in with an arm just throbbing in pain, Although she didn't have an x-ray machine at home, she probably ripped up a sheet or grabbed a scarf and made a temporary sling, may have grabbed some frozen peas or something out of the freezer to put on it to diminish some of the pain and swelling, but most likely we were then in the car on the way to the doctor or the hospital to get it x-rayed and put in a cast or a splint of some sort. So the same things can happen to our furry friends. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're going to fix them up, you know, watch them, make sure they get better. But other times we're going to try to prevent further injury and maybe diminish some of that pain, but we're going to need competent veterinary help. And veterinarians are the experts. Um, And um, even if you cohabitate with one, you probably don't have that person attached to your hip 24-7. And it's Murphy's Law, Lorraine. You know, when the dog stops breathing or the cat cuts her paw, it's going to be after veterinary hours. And it's probably going to be when you're home alone, even if you normally have 10 people in the house. So what you do at the time that injury happens can Mm -hmm. really make a difference for the pet. Say um, the animal's bleeding. If you know how to minimize the blood loss and bandage it so infection doesn't get in before you get to the vet, you know, 
kudos to you. If you know how to bring down their um, body temperature so that their brain doesn't swell and their whole gastrointestinal system doesn't start to cook before you get to the vet. If you know how to induce vomiting to get poison the heck out, and obviously in worst case scenarios, if you can alleviate choking or actually begin rescue breathing and CPCR before you get to the vet, you can truly save your best friend's life. So that's why you need to know it. Well, okay. So, and this is like super important to know. This is not about being able to just care for your pet at home and avoid the veterinarian. This is about doing those life-saving uh, actions to, you know, stave off death or, or further injury uh, until you can get to the vet. So how would somebody go about to, to, to learn this stuff? I mean, what kinds of things do, do you, can you learn? You mentioned CPR, you mentioned about choking. So, so there's some skills, right, that you can learn. Oh, uh, absolutely. In a class, we teach all different kind of bandaging techniques for different parts of the body because, you know, our pets have wiggle ends and we have to do all kinds of little tricks to keep those bandages on. Mm -hmm. They get upset tummies just like we do. Um, fleas and ticks are a big deal. A lot of people don't, you know, really kind of dismiss it. But, you know, the scratching starts, the skin infections happen. And you can have a really miserable pet. Um, bee stings, too, we handle. And I know later in the show, you're going to talk to a rattlesnake expert. But we you know, also cover what the first aid is for snake bites. Because it really, like I said, what you do at that first moment can really make a difference. But a huge thing is to stay calm. And the more skills you have, the more confident you are. So you can prevent that hyperventilating kind of thing. Um, because you don't right. want it to become a human first aid incident for one thing, but also our pets are so receptive to our feelings. They pick up on our emotions and, you know, the calmer we stay, the better it is for them as well. So I, um, and I want to talk uh, about two different things. So I want to talk first about like what kind of special tools they should also have. But then uh, actually maybe first we should talk about if somebody wants to take a first aid class, pet first aid class, how do they go about doing that? Well, there are quite a few different companies around the country, depending where you are. Um, I obviously, you know, Sunny Dog Inc., um, we teach pet first aid and CPR classes, and I do go around the country. I teach at a lot of conferences, but I will also be launching my classes online this summer. So that's something you'll be able to do from the privacy of your own home. But there are other companies out there, too. If you just Google pet first aid, there might be one in your area. There's Certainly are a lot of books, even some I've written, but there's nothing like taking that hands-on in-person class. It just really helps you kind of go on autopilot should you have to do something. So I really encourage people, you know, to take a class so you make that brain-to-hand connection, you know, working with the mannequins and doing stuff in class so that when you need to do it at home. And I then do encourage you to go home and practice it on your pets for two reasons. Because if you're practicing on a mannequin, that's the best patient you're ever going to have, you know. Right. <laughs> so you want to practice on a <laughs> a moving living creature that's going to struggle with you but it's also so helpful for your pet we can't you know read instructions to our pets and have them retain them we have to teach them by showing I mean that's how we teach them to sit and come and leave it so the same thing with bandaging or putting on a muzzle you know obviously we're not going to do CPR on our pet until he needs it but you know the other things are really helpful because if the dog knows the muzzle goes on and then comes off it's not so stressful should you have to use it the same thing with trying to bandage a paw or, you know, put a thermometer in the ear or under the tail. Um, anything you can do ahead of time and basically desensitize him, it makes your life and his or hers much better when the actual incident happens. So you've mentioned a couple of tools already, and I know that when you actually go and take the class, they'll show you how to use a lot of these different tools, but it's... It 
you can't really it's not really the same uh as a human pet first a human first aid kit that you need to have so what are those special things that you need to have for pets Absolutely. I mean, you know, some things are interchangeable, but you do need to know the difference. Um, With humans, you might have hydrogen peroxide in your kit for cleaning out a wound. The reason we'd have it in our pet kit is actually to induce vomiting in our pet for certain types of poison. Um, You probably don't have a muzzle in your human kit, so you should have a muzzle that properly fits your pet, you know, in your kit. Because even though they're your best friend, when they're in pain, you know, it's almost like a disembodied hand coming at them, causing them more pain. So, you know, we do need to keep ourselves safe or it becomes a human first aid incident. And that's one of the things I emphasize in the class, you know, proper handling and restraint. Um, Tick removers. You you may have tweezers in your human first aid kit, so that is certainly something that would be interchangeable. You probably don't have styptic powder, which you might um, need for your pet for a bloody toenail. But if you cut that nail too short and you don't have that styptic powder, flour, cornstarch, baking soda, even grabbing a slice of white bread and holding it tightly around that bloody nail can help it to clot. So you know that we a part of first aid is. I was just going to say part of fair state is doing the best with what you have at that moment. So you have to kind of learn to think on your feet. Right. But a lot of it is also about, frankly, being prepared. And I know on your website you have uh, kits to, that you can purchase. But do you also have like a, you know, like basically a checklist if folks want to make up their own uh, first aid kit? Yeah, that's that's it's in my books and in the classes. I give them the whole list as well, or they can, you know, on the website see the various kits I offer, and I offer also offer like a starter pack if people want to kind of do it on their own but want need something to get started, and then it tells you what else you need mm-hmm. to. But yeah, yeah, you want a, a thermometer for your pet too that you probably don't want to share with the humans, but you know, alcohol and a good antibiotic soap it makes it okay either way. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I know where the thermometer goes for my dog. I will never be using that on my, my humans in my house. Um, I'm just curious. I mean, one of the things that, that uh, I think is fascinating is, is how, how people get into their particular line of work. So what drove you to getting into pet first aid? I mean, you really are one of the, the gurus of pet first aid that's out there. What, what, took you into this funny you should ask because I was a studio publicist getting tired of stroking other people's egos and wanted to do something that hopefully would make Ah. a difference and at about that time my yellow lab Sonny who was about eight and a half woke up one morning and couldn't get up off the floor and when she tried this was a dog who complained about nothing she just let out blood-curdling screams long story short she had ruptured three discs in her spine unbeknownst to us at the time and We lived in a a cabin in the Hollywood Hills that was literally 110 railroad tie steps from the car to the house. So it was a daunting task thinking about carrying an injured, conscious pet that way. And long story short, we had developed a good relationship with our vet who sent a vet tech to our house. We got Sunny on a stretcher. And after surgery, she bounced back to her fun-loving self, but I just never again wanted to be caught off guard when my furry child needed me. Because, you know, they can't tell us what's wrong or something's starting to hurt or where the boo-boo is. And I just wanted to be tuned in and know what to do. So I just started taking class after class after class. And actually, I'm in the middle of one right now. I'm taking one through Cornell University in advanced CPCR because life keeps teaching, so you have to keep learning. Oh, that's awesome. Now, you, you teach topics other than pet first aid, right? 
I do. Um, one of my real soft spots is senior pets. So I write books and have done webinars and classes on caring for senior pets. I'm also big into pet disaster preparedness, and I teach classes on that, and that's actually my latest book that is out. And then I've written children's books because I was teaching high school animal care, and I realized that the kids were going home and sharing with their parents what I was teaching them. And you know, although kids don't listen to their parents, parents listen to the kids, the parents started buying better food for the family cat and dog. So that made me think if I started writing children's books, it would be shared with multiple generations and hopefully we'd be helping more and more animals. Yeah, and that's setting uh, people up from, from a young age to being responsible pet parents. I love that. That's awesome. So what what would you say if you're looking at, speaking of young uh, pet parents, or if you're saying have somebody you're saying, okay, you're getting ready to set up your life with your dog or your cat. What's the one piece of like safety advice that you would give them? I'm going to probably want to give you two, but I'm, I'll, I'll squeeze it in there. One would, <laughs> okay. one would be to really get to know your pet. I mean, I know you're going to hug him and love him and feed him and brush him and all that stuff, but I want you to get to know his body from head to tail and have him get used to your touch because that way you can spot problems early on and it's going to make him a better patient at the groomer and the veterinarian if you can do this head to tail checkup. Really, really important. The other part, since I said I was going to squeeze into is regularly get down on all fours and look at life, your house, your yard from your pet's perspective. Because what may be perfectly clean from five foot six or six foot two, wherever you stand, is a whole nother world down there, seven to 22 inches off the floor. And they have these amazing noses that can even sniff things, you know, behind cabinets and off of countertops. So, you know, do the best you can to keep dangers out of paws and claws reach. It's no different than having like a toddler and things that you never would have considered, uh, you know, a toddler manages to find. Same with your dogs and cats. Well, exactly, you know, and you just need to keep fresh on the materials. I make little pocket guides you can carry with you. There are some apps out there for those that like to get into technology, but you don't want to be using, you know, an app or a book without having the knowledge. You just want those things to jog your memory quickly, but you want to already have the skills right. under your belt, so to speak, and the tools in your possession. Well, let's talk a little bit about that, about that prep, because you've got two new books coming out. You mentioned those. Uh, I know you're going to be offering the online courses. I mean, so, so tell us a little bit about the new book you have about the Pet Safety Bible. Tell us a little bit about that. Awesome. Well, I'm co-writing that with um, a gentleman and friend, Robert Semero. And this book, I guess, has been like 15 years in the making for me. It's really like my big compendium of everything I've been studying and learning and teaching for years. And it basically starts off with that adoption decision, um, running you through some questions you should think about before you adopt a pet, taking you through the birth of a pet, the, the middle years, teaching them to stretch and get exercise, how to read pet food labels, what vaccinations they need. And then, of course, it concludes with the last half of um, pet first aid and CPR. And I really delve into topics that, you know, I haven't done before and don't always have time in classes. But, you know, even things like what you do if your pet gets stung by a jellyfish or how to handle abscesses or all different things like that. So I'm really excited about the Pet Safety Bible coming out this summer. It's about 300 pages. It's like in an eight by 10 format. So there's a lot of stuff packed in there. But wow. just in the last few weeks, I've had my pet, my, it's called the Pet Safety Crusaders, My Pet and Me Guide to Disaster Paw Paredness. And I'm just really thrilled about this one as well, because 
you know, all you have to do is turn on the news or read the paper or listen to the radio and you know something's happening somewhere. And it could be you know, it can be a fire or a pipe breaking in your home. It could be a problem on your street or it could be much more regional or even national these days. And we have to be prepared for our pets, but we also have to be prepared for ourselves because it's like when we get on a plane and the flight attendant tells us, you know, if something happens and the masks come down to put on the oxygen on us before we help somebody else. Same thing with our pets. If we're not prepared to take care of ourselves, we're not going to be of any help to them. So that's why it's the My Pet and Me guide. And um, not only do I take you through the basics of being ready, knowing how to react and what you do to recover after the major events are over, but I have pretty much try to handle everything from volcanic explosions to tsunamis to civil unrest, power outages to the more usual things we hear about, the hurricanes, earthquakes, blizzard tornadoes exactly depending on where you live and then the back hopefully again will be a helpful guide to people no matter what type of you have a pet you have that you know something is probably going to happen so it's the first first aid for amphibians and reptiles and birds my my husband was laughing at me one day i was writing fish first aid um large animals wow dogs cats <laughs> well, that sounds and humans that sounds incredible so that you they can find those things at pet safetycrusader.com absolutely or on amazon all right fantastic denise thank you so much we've run out of time but thank you so much for coming on the show today my pleasure pause cross for pet safety thank you and stay tuned pet lovers we're going to be right back with more supa dupa important tips on keeping your pets safe and cared for on pet lover geek on voice america's variety channel Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? It's the fame game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the fame game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. If you'd like to connect with the show today, please call us at 1-866-472-5788. 
Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Feeling shy? You can also send an email to PetLoverGeek at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And we're back with more Pet First Aid expert advice on Pet Lover Geek today. Now, April is Pet First Aid Awareness Month, and we've got another wonderful pet safety expert with us today, and her name is Arden Moore. Now, Arden is the pet health and safety coach, and she travels across the country teaching customized pet first aid health courses to pet professionals and pet lover pet parents uh, with her cat-dog duo of Casey and Kona. We're so happy to have you on the show today, Arden. Hey, pause up, Lauren. <laughs> uh, now, I want to get uh, into, to, first of all, you work with not just pet parents, but pet professionals, which I think is really important. Why is it important that a pet professional be taking a pet first aid CPR course and all that kind of stuff? Well, as you know, and this is a booming industry and a Teflon industry, but people are realizing that the more um, skills that you have, the better you are. Personally, I don't want to have a pet sitter walk into my home to take care of Casey or Kona that is not taking a pet first aid class. To me, it's it's sort of a must if you're going to be a groomer, a dog walker, a pet sitter. I've even customized classes for canine police officers. You know, that's an important partner they have with them. And as you know, in a pet emergency, minutes do count. Mm-hmm. I have a great relationship with veterinarians. But people that know pet first aid, we're sort of that bridge between the uh-oh and the veterinarian. Right. And so that that would be one of those things that when you're out looking for a new groomer or a pet sitter, like you mentioned, or, you know, even like at a doggy daycare, you oh, want to absolutely. be looking and saying like, and, and what kind of things should people be looking for when they're trying to evaluate? What kind of certifications or, or specific training should they be looking for? Well, first of all, they should be trained in pet first aid and not just my company, but any company that can give them uh, a two-year certificate. That means you have been there, you've taken the course, we've seen you be able to do these skills. Um, You made a good point, uh, Lorian. I do uh, a lot of customized training for daycares and boarding facilities, and there's a lot of folks that are working that are doing the overnight stay, and there could be a pet emergency in the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. And so no pet first aid could mean the difference between life or death. Um, I've had it on occasion boarded uh, a couple of pets and I now, the place I'm going to now, when I do need them, took my class. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> That's very convenient. They're like, and- you got to be nice. It's Kona and Casey. We got to really be good. <laughs> you got to really be on. <laughs> now, can you tell me, now I know, I know from my own experience from doing human pet for a uh, human first aid and CPR, that those are two different courses. Is that true for those being two different courses for pets as well? Yeah. Um, human first aid is is different and similar to pet first aid. We teach programs that help you take care of cats and dogs. There are some similarities in um, how you do maybe CPR and, and deal with bleeding, but look at the cat and the dog and just give you the example of bleeding. We stand up, right? Our heart's up here. Our dogs have four legs and four, and, and the cats have four legs. If they injured a leg or a paw and it was really bleeding, the heart is sitting on the top of that. Mm-hmm. So the pressure of gravity goes down. So stopping a bleeding leg in a dog or their arm or forelimb, if you will, 
is a lot more challenging than stopping bleeding on our arms mm-hmm. because of where the heart is and how we stand. So there's some similarities, but there's definite differences. And do you have to take a separate CPR course? Uh, is it separate from the pet first aid or is it part of the no. first aid? We, we have CPR and rescue breathing uh, as part of the program. Pet first aid for us entails uh, the CPR, rescue breathing, and all the uh-ohs that can happen when the pet is actually conscious, like they got stung by a bee or they got uh, uh, they they broke their leg uh, they're not in a really good mindset and we right. need to teach we teach folks also how to safely handle that mm-hmm. agitated dog cat and trust me Lorian if you had a choice between taking on an injured 60 pound dog or a 10 pound cat take the dog yeah. well let's let's talk about <laughs> that for a minute because yeah it's the same with like if you want to bathe the cat or bathe the dog it doesn't matter that the dog is like you know five, five kitty, times kitty, kitty. Yeah. yeah so what yeah. is the best way to safely handle that injured cat well i'm really delighted with my program pet first aid for you we have a stellar advisory board of veterinarians that are probably still paying off their college loans with all the degrees after their names. But one of them in particular is Dr. Elizabeth Colloran, who's the uh, former president of the American Academy of Feline Practitioners. Translation, she knows cat. Mm -hmm. I spent a couple of days at her clinic and and we have that we share with our students embedded video of how to properly use a towel to restrain a cat. Your inverted laundry basket that you can slide a cardboard box underneath scruffing an injured cat unless you're a vet or a vet tech is just like kiss your kiss your your, your arms you're gonna be spent- yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so when you restrain a cat with the towel and we have different towel techniques they actually get kind of snuggled up and you can protect yourself from those lethal i call it five weapons of mass destruction the mm-hmm. teeth and the claws um when you scruff a cat you can almost see them tense up and the tail twitching they're saying game on. Mm-hmm. So unless you are in a veterinary office and you're, you're credentialed, that's why we're trying to show you how to use everyday things. And we also put a face mask on cats. It's crazy. Cats are like feline ostriches. If they don't see a threat, sometimes they say it's not there. Oh, uh, that's I've written more than <laughs> two dozen uh, pet books, including the Cat Behavior Answer Book. And trust me, putting a face muzzle, as we do with Pet Safety Cat Casey in class, he all of a sudden just stands still. Hmm. Well, you it's know, like, and I've seen I've seen that happen too. When you try to put like a sweater on a cat or something, they just yeah. like, they freeze. You know? Well, they yeah, they're not like feline fashionistas. They're like, really, this better not go on Facebook, please. Yeah, totally, totally. Uh, so let's line dignity. Yeah. <laughs> well, in so, some some cases, there is no dignity in my household when it comes to something I want to put on them. But let's let's get back to to pet safety. So I want to talk about something that's coming up uh, and in some places in the country it's already an issue but you know summertime's coming upon us warmer temperatures are coming upon us one of the big things that's always in the news are, are dogs that are in sight of cars but also just having you know pets more outside getting getting overheated is something that I would imagine happens quite a lot is there a best way to go about you know quickly cooling down a dog or a cat uh, oh, that gets a- overheated yeah, yeah absolutely Lauren Dogs and cats, they don't sweat like we do. They don't have all these skin pores. They actually pant, and they also sweat through their paws. And a good clue that your dog or cat is overheating is that you're walking them, 
on a dry day and you see that their paws are making like wet spots on the sidewalk, that means that dog is really getting close to heat stroke. Mm -hmm. Your cat will be panting heavily in the house because for some darn reason, they think that they need to sit in an east or west window and the sun is beating through on them and they're overheating. Mm -hmm. Their gums can be a bright red. The worst thing you can do is to try to cool them down instantly. So in our classes, we teach people never use ice cubes, never use ice cold water. Cool with cool water. Simply putting your dog or cat's paws in a little uh, a container of cool water, or if you're out and about, take that empty poop bag that you haven't used and you can make it into a makeshift water bowl and stick the paws of the dog that's overheating into that poop bag. Oh, wow. That is the best way. And then you can put wet or cool to cool towels on their bellies. But the real way to, to, to click on their inner air conditioner is to get those paws cooled down. But don't shock the system by using ice cold or ice cubes. That's a good, you know, and I love the fact that you bring up the dog poop bags because don't you have like a poop bag first aid kit, like a MuttGyver kit or something like that? <laughs> yeah, my, my family just is embarrassed by all the puns I've used in my life, but it just comes out of me. But um, I, um, I came up with a phrase in a program, I call it how to uh, unleash your inner MuttGyver. And I'm so stoked that the, that the new MacGyver's on TV now. So all yeah. the people that are younger than me won't say, what? what? Yeah, um, totally. But basically, a lot of times we're in a situation with our dog or cat, and we don't have that wonderful pet first aid kit with us. Mm -hmm. So I came up with a whole bunch of things that people can use based on what they're wearing, where they are, to stabilize, immobilize a pet. And I even did a feature on it in the Dogster uh, magazine. Oh, cool. That's great. So that's the MacGyver kit. And so put, when, and, and so, how can people find out more about the, what, what they can use, what those things are? Where could they go? Well, let's give you a couple examples. You're sure. wearing shoes, I hope. I hope you're not barefoot right now. Actually, I'm, I'm, I'm actually in my slippers right now, but we'll imagine that I'm wearing shoes. <laughs> what are your slippers? Um, well, if you're out and about and you have uh, shoelaces, not those narrow, tight ones, the shoelace alone can be used to help on an injured dog that uh, maybe a small dog, you can use it as a makeshift muzzle. Um, you can use uh, newspapers or magazines and create a makeshift splint with those shoelaces. The poop bags um, can help wrap over a leg or put over a bleeding paw until you can get to safety. Your baseball hat could be a water reservoir for your, your pet. Um, the credit card. Credit card can be used to pop out a, um, the dog got stung by a bee and you see the stinger. Here's your best way to say charge it. Nice. <laughs> Great. Those are fantastic. So, so if you don't necessarily, um, best I think would be to have a, a first aid kit, but, but yes. if you don't have that, then there are a lot of things that you can do in those spot moments. Cause a lot of times when, when stuff happens, you know, I've got the first aid kit in all the right places in the house, but it's usually like when I'm out and about and I'm not even thinking about it, that my dog gets injured. I'm like, Oh my right. God. <laughs> and, and think about your water bottle. We have water with us. That could be used as a splint. That could be squirted on a wound to keep it clean, mm -hmm. you know, and, and your cell phone, hallelujah for a speaker option, because you can take a picture of the snake that just bit your dog. Please don't go after that snake. Right. And you can alert the nearest veterinary clinic you're in route so you don't surprise them with a 911 call with a mm -hmm. dog that's either bleeding or snake bitten. Use that that voice uh, speakerphone on your phone 
while you're administering aid to the pet. And, and trust me, all my vet pals love that because they have the room ready for you and your dog and they're kicking out the poodle, getting a mani-pedi in exam room one. <laughs> right. And, and like, and it's not just like this, if there's a snake, which actually we're going to talk about in the next segment, we're going to talk about rattlesnakes, but, but if they, you know, if they ate something and you have a picture yeah. of what they ate or anything like that, that you can bring in. Grab it, bag wise. it and tag it. Get yeah, that bag, exactly. bring up the goo that they just burped up. Yeah. And bring it in because you can get a quicker diagnosis and maybe your bill will be less and your dog will be better. So yeah. it's a it's a triple win. Fantastic. Now, I heard a rumor uh, that you <laughs> I had... I heard a rumor. <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. Us. I love it. Uh, but tell me, uh, I heard a rumor that you have something new and exciting to share with us today. Yes. As of yesterday, we just issued a press release my company is called Pet First Aid for You, and it's the letter, it's the number four and the letter U. And my program has primarily just been in-person customized. So you, we come to you and we teach your, your staff or pet parents. Um, there's a great uh, company called Pro Trainings, and they have an online pet first aid CPR program called Pro Pet Hero that's directed by my friend Kara Armour. Well, we decided why reinvent the wheel? So we are actually um, teaming up to offer even more coverage in pet first aid and CPR to pet professionals and pet owners. And we are going to be doing a few more options too. Our goal is to make it so easy for you to learn pet first aid and to give you options. Do you want to learn in, in person? Do you want to do it on a self-paced online program? What, what's your choices? And if anybody goes to propethero.com, and takes an online course and they put in the code, and it's crazy, but just do CPR hyphen Arden more, you get 10% off the class. Oh, that's fantastic. So that's CPR hyphen Arden, which is A R D E N M O O R E. Right. And if they want an in person class, contact me at petfirstaidforyou.com. Fantastic. That's so exciting. All right. So we've only got a little bit of time left, but I want to ask you, what is your very favorite tool or, or um, gadget that you have out there for doing pet first aid or even just for in general, your dog? Um, I think the water bottle and the, and like I said, and the, and the cell phone, because on my cell phone, I have pet first aid apps that I need. I can take pictures. The water bottle can be used for so many different ways. It can cool down a dog. It can be a splint. So people don't realize they have those two items in their hand all the time or within access. They're actually pet first aid tools. Uh, you mentioned pet first aid apps. Are there any in particular that you're like, Ooh, these are awesome. I actually like the one from the American Red Cross. I know they're kind of getting out of the business of pet first aid, but they have a darn good pet first aid app. And maybe next time I'm on your show, I can say, we have our own app. Oh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Well, Arden, thank you so much for being on today. We really appreciate it. Tell us once again where we can find you on the web. You can go to petfirstaid, the number four in the letter U, dot com. And trust me, we have the only cool cat in the country, pet safety cat Casey bringing it home, keeping the felines safe, and a kooky terrier mix named Kona. So we love what we do, and let's keep our pets safe. Take a pet first aid class. Thank you so much for being on the show, Arden. Great stuff. Great stuff. All right. 
Sit and stay for more great stuff on Pet Lover Geek, folks, because up next, uh, and Arden mentioned this actually earlier about about snake bites, we're actually going to talk about some important training and techniques that could save your dog's life on the trail during uh, rattlesnake season. Really important stuff to learn, and I'm excited to talk about it next. That's what's coming up next on Pet Lover Geek on Voice America's Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it will be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? It's the fame game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the fame game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. This is Pet Lover Geek with Lorian Clemens. If you'd like to connect with the show today, please call us at 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. Feeling shy? You can also send an email to PetLoverGeek at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, pet lovers. For our last segment, as we mentioned uh, previously, we're going to talk about rattlesnake safety. Now, if you're like me, spring is a very exciting time for you and your dogs because it means the snow is finally melting away, those hiking trails are starting to open up, and you get out into the woods. In fact, for the next six to eight months, my dogs and I will be out hiking weekly, and we even hope to squeeze in a couple of uh, camping weekend trips. So much of our life, uh, when the weather turns warm, frankly involves walks in the woods. But those walks in the woods are not without dangers, and one of the scariest dangers out there is rattlesnakes. Now, it's important to note, rattlesnakes are not poisonous. It's not like something that dogs can eat that has poison inside of it. Rather, they are venomous. Poisonous animals contain tissue that's toxic when eaten, but animals like rattlesnakes, they actually inject their venom into another animal if they bite them. Large rattlesnakes are going to be more deadly than smaller ones. Thin rattlesnakes, particularly ones that are hungry, uh, are more dangerous um, because they're out there, they're hunting, they're trying to find prey. And at the beginning of spring, like right now, that's when they're coming out. So they're doing their first Fourier uh, of the season to find stuff to eat, and that's when they can be most dangerous of all. 
So depending on where you live or recreate, rattlesnakes can be seasonal, like they are where I live, or they can even be year-round danger. And dogs are particularly prone to getting bit because of their curious nature, noses to the ground, always sniffing out things. And even though rattlesnake bites can be treated and most dogs can survive them with treatment, it's a very expensive emergency uh, vet trip and it's a very stressful time for you and the dog. And for some small breeds, rattlesnake bites can actually be a fatal encounter. Now, there is a vaccination for dogs and you may have heard about it for rattlesnake bites. It's actually a rather controversial vaccine, mostly because we don't have scientific data to prove whether or not it works. We're just using theories based on other vaccines that we can prove that work. But I mean, look, think about it this way. Would you want to do a study that involves injecting dogs with rattlesnake venom to see if it's going to work? Yeah, so that kind of science would be pretty unethical. Most folks wouldn't want to do it. So a much, um, so you can get that rattlesnake vaccine, but it hasn't been proven to work. Much better course of action, though, is to avoid rattlesnake contact altogether. And since staying home and out of the woods isn't a very appealing option for me or a lot of my folks that I know that go out and hike with the dogs, I've asked rattlesnake expert Daryl Ansley to come on the show and talk to us about rattlesnake awareness and safety with our dogs. Welcome to Pet Lover Geek, Daryl. Thank you. I'm excited to have you on. Uh, Let's start first with you come from the perspective that it is important to do training. So prevention, which is what we talk about a lot on this show, is prevention, prevention, prevention. So why do dogs need rattlesnake training? Well, as you mentioned, you know, the dogs are excited to be out in the woods or in the hills, sniffing everything that they find. And uh, the challenge is that your dog is not naturally afraid of rattlesnakes. So when it finds one of those, it's going to go right up, get within striking distance, and you know, which could lead to a, a bad event. And so mm-hmm. the idea of the training is that the, the dog will detect the rattlesnake ahead of time and not get within that striking distance. Right. And, of course, and I will state right for the record, another great way to prevent before we get talking about the training is to make sure that your dog is on leash. I know that's not always possible, especially when you're out camping or something like that. But uh, on leash is important. But the training that you do, Daryl, um, is, is about rattlesnake avoidance. And you use a, a training tool that's problematic for a lot of people, a shock collar. But I want you to talk about how you use it and how that training works and why, in this case, a shock collar is a really beneficial tool. Yeah, it, it, it is you know, discussed a lot. Uh, the idea behind the shock collar is that we're, we want to train the dog to uh, avoid the bite. And, and the way to do that is that the dog knows that this thing is dangerous. And so, uh, you know, the, the way the, the training works, I've got a live rattlesnake in a cage. We have the shock collar on the dog, goes up, gets a good nose full of rattlesnake smell, and we hit the shock collar so that the dog associates uh, that smell with pain and then wants to avoid it whenever it smells in the future. And, um, you know, thinking through the other possibilities, you can teach the dog, no, that's not good, that's bad. Uh, but I want it to keep a healthy distance away from that strike zone, not just, oh, I know I don't, don't, don't like it, but have an actual fear and respect of that. And so it's really a trade-off of, that dog is going to experience a, a, a sharp pain so that hopefully in the future it'll never experiencing, experience a deadly pain. Right. And, and, and even if they were to survive a rattlesnake bite, the things that happen toxically to the 
body when it's bit. I mean, it's it's horrific. It's a really painful, painful experience. Uh, and the smaller the dog, the more deadly it can be. So yeah, avoiding it altogether is is really important. Um, now you mentioned smell, so that's some. I mean, I have I've actually been in the presence of rattlesnakes, much to my chagrin. Um, I don't smell any difference, but your dog can. Right. Of course, you know the the, the, the dog's strongest sense is that olfactory system. Uh, which is again why they're out there sniffing the ground, and you know they can they can smell, you know, in the, in the parts per billion like a shark, and so that's the nice thing about it is, uh, is that they can detect a rattlesnake from from quite a distance, um, and it's better than trying to rely on a visual clue because of course uh, the snakes are camouflage, or even a sound clue because the snakes are not always going to rattle, or sometimes they strike. Bef- you know, out of fear before they even have a chance to rattle. So smells, you know, the dog is wired mm-hmm. to process smells. So it's a very effective method. Now, are you the only one that uses this kind of technique? Or are there places, because um, I know you're up here in the Pacific Northwest, but are there other places that this type of technique is used that people can get this training, particularly if they have a dog that's out in the woods a lot? Yeah, the, the, the places where I'm familiar that, it's, that you have it is in Southern California and in Arizona. I don't know much about the rest of the country. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, I'm originally from Oklahoma. We had a big rattlesnake issue there. I would hope that they would also have in Oklahoma, Texas, those places in the Southwest that have more rattlesnakes. I would hope that they would have this type of available training too. And I imagine that it doesn't take much to, to convince that dog. No, this is not cool. No, that's the nice thing. Especially what I find is, is the, the hunting dogs, uh, the retrievers, the pointers, German short ears, they get it quickly. They're, they're my A students. Some of the other other breeds, uh, more of the pet dogs, show, show dogs, sometimes, uh, you know, the, they, they you can tell they get it, but they don't give it that healthy distance. And sometimes mm-hmm. you have to do it a second time for them to figure out, okay, that's something to stay away from. Yeah, I think within my own uh, pup family, I think that the Boston Terrier, she tends to be a little bit more willful. Uh, she might be a little bit more of a tough student than our lab mix, who I think would get it right away. So yeah. tell me about... Uh, how you got started with this. I mean, I know I actually have heard a rumor that you actually have rattlesnakes in your house. That's true. So uh, (laughs) we lived, I'm from the Northwest originally, and we were living in Arizona for five or six years in the late 90s. And and our dog uh, popped up a rattlesnake uh, in in our backyard and then went, you know, wanted to go play with it. And so, you know, luckily it didn't get bit. But uh, I learned down there talking to my vet, you know, that, that, you know, the dogs aren't naturally afraid of rattlesnakes. And so, um, when we had a lab pup down there a couple of years later, went through an avoidance training class there, moved back here to, uh, the Northwest in 2003 and, you know, hiking in trails and, and that dog would, you know, uh, detect the rattlesnakes and keep our kids from getting close. And it was great. And then, um, uh, we got a new puppy in 2010. And so, uh, I thought, you know, we need the training. No one else is doing it. So I thought as long as I'm going to have to go pick up a live rattlesnake and buy a shot collar, I, I might as well, you know, offer the service to other people. Wow. So you actually keep them in your home. I mean, how's your wife feel about that? <laughs> oh, she's a, she's a saint. Sure. Yeah. So, so originally I, initially I would uh, catch new ones each season um, and then it just got e- easier to just, you know, keep them over the winter. And so they're in a nice locked cage with signs that look like they've got a radioactive bomb in there so that nobody <laughs> accidentally o- opens the wrong box. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So now let's say that let's think of the scenario, whether I've had my dog get the training or I haven't been able to have my dog get the training yet because it's not available or what have you. And I'm out on the trail. I'm at a campsite, uh, even as you mentioned in your own backyard, depending on where you live, what do I need to be aware of? What should I be looking for, listening for? What are the signs? How can, how can I help my dog avoid them if, if I don't have this training? Yeah. The biggest thing is really knowing the rattlesnake's behavior. Um, in our area, they're going to hibernate from late October and probably uh, till late March, April. Um, and they're, they're going to come out of the dens. The dens are going to be rocky areas on the, generally that are facing South. So they catch the sun. And so it, it, the, in the spring, those snakes are coming out and they're warming themselves on rocks. So if you're out in the springtime and it's warm, that's where they're going to be. You get it, it into the summer and it's really hot. Remembering these snakes are cold-blooded. They need, they can't regulate their own temperature, so they have to move to regulate it. So in the in the summertime, um, you know, maybe it's a 90-degree day and you think, well, it's kind of hot to take the dog for a walk. Let's wait till the evening when it's cooler. Well, guess what? That's when the snakes are going to come out because mm-hmm. now it's finally cooler. They're in the shade during the day. So, you know, recognizing that the, the time of year, the snakes don't want to be too cold or too hot. And so they're moving, uh, you know, to, to, again, to to regulate that temperature. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's, that's important. Just like knowing when the snakes are going to be out. What about, are there, are there things that, that like telltale signs? If obviously you got to keep your eyes peeled, you can't go like the zoning out because they might be there on the rock and you don't see them, but are there sounds or anything else like that, that you can be listening for as well? Yeah. I mean, the the challenge is that, that, that rattlesnake sound is only going to come when you're really close. Mm -hmm. You know, I guess the the first thing is, is just knowing when you might be in rattlesnake territory to, again, not zone out, not have your earbuds in or whatever. And so you're, so you are paying attention, looking ahead. Again, the challenge is those rattlesnakes are camouflaged. uh, And and they also, they're kind of a little bit of a chameleon and, and, in, in green areas, they're green and brown areas are brown and other areas, are, you know, they, they, they match the background mm-hmm. on purpose. So, um, you know, so again, you can use as much awareness as possible, but, you know, I've almost stepped on them just because they're, they're hard to see and they don't always rattle. And so um, that's why I, 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 I'd much rather have my dog trained. Because right. they can detect them a lot better than I can. Yeah. No, actually, one of the scariest moments of my life was stepping on a rock in Arizona and hearing the rattle underneath that rock. And my dog and I were standing on top of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like a little, oh, my gosh. Um, so now let's say the worst case scenario happens and my dog gets bit. What 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 do I do? So the main things uh, to, to consider, one is, is that time is, is your enemy uh, because that, uh, that neurotoxin is, is working away in their bloodstream starting to destroy tissue and nerves. And, and unfortunately, normally if a dog's bit, it's that curious nose. And so it's around the, the head and face that gets bit. And so what you're going to want to do, and, and here's sort of the best case scenario, and, and you can't always do these things, but is, you know, pick up your dog and carry it because you don't want you don't want blood pumping too much and circulating that venom throughout the body. So you want to so carry them back to your vehicle Try to keep them calm. Try to remain calm yourself, uh, and you know, drive to the vet if you can ice the the wound to keep, again slow down blood flow. That's great, and you're going to be wanting to call uh, the veterinarian and 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 get in there. The challenge, of course, is that a lot of this occurs 
when it's on a weekend, you're out in the hills with, with your pet and you're out of town. So you don't know the local vets. You don't, mm-hmm. um, you know, you don't know who to call and you don't know which one's going to be open. And, and so there's a lot of challenges. Again, that's the, the, and let me throw in the vaccine here. What I've heard about the vaccine, I, I've never had my dogs vaccinated for it. But what I've heard is that it does buy you time. Mm-hmm. Uh Again, I, I don't know. That's just what I've heard. So Yeah, no, that's that's actually when our vet, because we have our dogs out in the woods all the time, it was recommended that, you know, hey, it 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 won't keep them from getting sick <laughs> and keep it from being a potentially fatal thing, but it will make it so that getting to me um, to get that first aid, to get that treatment, um, is because then they have to use the anti-venom when you take them in. Right. Yeah, and that can actually be quite quite a, 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 an expensive trip um, to the vet. Plus, it, like you said, it's on the weekend, which usually means it's an emergency vet type of uh, hours and cost. Awesome to talking to you today, Daryl. Really appreciate your time. All right. Well, thank you. Do you have a website or anything that people can go look at that uh, so they can get more information? Uh, yeah, it's just rattlesnakedog.com. Fantastic. Thank you, Daryl. We really appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me. I I want to thank my other guests today, Denise Fleck and Arden Moore, for helping us dig into Pet First Aid. We'll have a rewind blog on Pet First Aid on PetLoverGeek.com in the upcoming weeks. And we're also going to share links from today's show on our Facebook page as well. This is something that's really important. We talk about it a lot on the show, prevention, prevention, prevention. So please take the time to look at the information that's out there uh, on Pet First Aid. Educate yourself on Pet First Aid so that you are ready when accidents happen. Because when accidents happen, is not the time to be going to look on Dr. Google. Now, also, in the next few weeks, we've got some amazing topics to share. We've got high-tech tools for traveling with your pet. We're going to take a look again at the science of pet food, but this time we're going to look at the commercial pet food industry and how they approach science and research. We're going to look at some cutting-edge technology for helping pets with anxiety. That'll be particularly helpful for my own dog, Penny. And we're going to sniff around some of the latest tech in veterinary practices, including tech that helps you communicate better with your veterinarian. So make sure to tune in next Saturday. Saturday and every Saturday for the latest on tech and science in the pet industry on Pet Lover Geek on Voice America's Variety Channel. Thank you for tuning in this week for Pet Lover Geek. Please join your host, Lori and Clemens, for another edition next Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now, go grab your best friend and take them out and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.